So this week's sermon comes from Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5, and then Matthew 12, verse 34. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This confirms that the issue of gossip is a heart issue. I'm going to pray for us. Dear God, thank you for the reminder of baptism and all that you do for us. Um, We come to you this morning um, with lots of distractions and things going on. Um, outside of this morning Um, and I pray that you just calm our hearts and give us the ears to listen to the message that that Sam has for us this morning Um, and that we just thank you for everything that you've done for us in Jesus name thank you all so much um, for being a part of that this morning that was a that was really precious. Um, so I wanted to talk to everybody today about gossip. I want to give you a little uh, precursor as to why I chose this topic. Um, it's because I hear it all the time. And I don't think that's very, uh, that doesn't make me very special. I think we all hear gossip from time to time. Um, but I kind of get a double dose of it as a teacher because my colleagues gossip, as all of y'all's, well not all, but a lot of our colleagues gossip, And then these students are also gossiping, and they have no clue what gossip is. Um, And it's almost comical, and I try not to laugh at them. Um, But they they don't know what it is. So that was really the main inspiration. And I was looking to see if I could find, um, if there's any literature on this topic. There's certainly a ton in in Proverbs and throughout the Bible. Um, And uh, Matthew Mitchell also wrote a book called Resisting Gossip. And that is... Uh, I read that book, and that was a big inspiration for this topic, and I got a lot of, um, a lot of my notes from him, and I wanted to give him credit because he's done an excellent job at, at talking about this topic. Okay, I got four points, and I'm not going to tell you how many subpoints, um, but the first one is, what is gossip? We need to talk about what gossip is, and before we do that, we need to get some misconceptions out of the way. Um, and so that first misconception is, it's not gossip if it's true. Oh, I hear that all the time from my students. They're like, no, 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 Mr. Barker, it's not gossip. This is the truth. And I'm like, man, you just don't, you just don't get it. And that's okay. Um, but that, that doesn't mean it's gossip or not. The, the validity of the statement doesn't determine if it's gossip or if it's just facts. That's what I say. Oh, it's just the truth. I'm just saying the truth. I'm like, okay, that can still be gossip. Um, uh, one example was, uh, some, some of my students were sharing this terrible story about this other student, and, and I knew it to be true. Um, they didn't think I knew the story because they think I'm just a dumb-dumb that only knows math, um, which is partially true. Um, but uh, they, they, felt, they thought I didn't know the story, but I knew what they were talking about. I knew it to be true, and I confronted them about it, and they said, no, no it's just the truth. Everyone, I mean, it's, it's, every, this is true. I'm not, I'm not gossiping. I'm like, come on. And it was a it was a terrible, unfortunately true story that they were spreading, and I, and I tried to nip it in the bud with little success. Um, the, the next misconception is, this is my personal one that I am at fault with mostly, 
it's not gossip if I'm just venting. Um, it's not gossip if I'm just telling my spouse my day and I'm saying so-and-so was so terrible today. Guys, that's still, that's still gossip. And, and a lot of times we say, I'm just getting stuff off my chest. Um, and, and one thing I, I'm not saying is that it's bad or wrong to be frustrated, even frustrated with other people. That's okay. That's totally fine. But when we're venting, most of the time we're just driving them into the dirt. We're just, we're just uh, um, saying terrible things about them. And guys, that is still gossip. And like I said, that's, that's the time where I feel um, this is the way that I gossip the most, I think, is venting about my day, mainly to Lauren. Um, but it's not building anybody up. It's just tearing people down so I feel a little bit better about my day. Um, and it also doesn't matter who you're venting to. Even if it's your spouse or a super close, close confidant, it can still be gossip. Next misconception, it's not gossip if everybody already knows. Um, ah, that's still gossip. I mean, even if everyone knows the dirty dirt on Sally Sue, it's still gossip if you're talking about it. Um, it may not be very effective gossip because everybody already knows it, but it's still gossip. You're still making fun of poor Sally Sue. Last misconception, um, this one might be for the ones in here. It's not gossip if I ask everybody to pray for the person afterwards. <laughs> now, where it's like, Hey, guys, did you hear about so-and-so? Man, they're really struggling right now. I think they might split up. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, do you know why they might split up? It's because of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, their kids are mad. Let's pray for them. Ah, it's still gossip. You can't sprinkle on the prayer at the end and, and think it, it's not gossip. Um, that's definitely still gossip. Um, so if these are the misconceptions that I think are rattling around in some of our heads, we need to come up with a good definition. A solid definition of what gossip, and I'm leaning on uh, Matthew Mitchell on this because he had, I think, a very concise definition for this word gossip, and here it is. Gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back from a bad heart, and that bad heart is the crux of the definition. That's the meat of the definition, from a bad heart. Um, Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what's inside is going to come out. What's inside our hearts will come out in our speech, in our actions, in, in our gossip. Um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, so another way to talk about this definition is, I really just want to, when I gossip about somebody, I want to tear them down so that I look elevated by comparison. Because gossiping is always about other people. It's not about ourselves. It's always about other people. Um, so we want to tear them down so that the spotlight is off of us and it's on to someone else. And they're getting driven down socially or whatever, and so I look like I'm better. That's the main uh, problem with gossip. It's a, it's a real big heart issue. You want to... Um, I gave this example a couple weeks ago when I was doing the confession. If you're running a race um, and I see that someone's ahead of me, then I kind of just take their knees out. And it, I mean, that would be a terrible thing to do. And it wouldn't make me any faster of a runner, but it would make me look like my position would be higher. Maybe I got first place because I took out everybody in front of me. That's what gossip does. Um, and we can do that to the people that are catching up to us, too. We can give them the elbow. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, that's what we're doing in our conversations socially to each other, to our friends and family, and to our peers and, and coworkers. 
We're tearing them down so that we look just a little bit higher. Um, and so with all these mis misconceptions and, the, and this definition we've talked about, sometimes it's kind of maybe hard. Is this gossip? Is it not? Um, well, if you're asking yourself that question, it probably is. Um, if you think you might be gossiping, you probably are. Um, now, there are some exceptions that I need to point out before we move on. Um, there are times where we have to bear bad news behind someone's back when they're not there. Um, that happens from time to time. Uh, if you're trying to give somebody a warning, um, if you know someone in your community is, has struggled with something or is struggling with something and, and you, you want to warn someone about them, then that's acceptable. If you also um, are concerned about the safety of others, if somebody shares a deep secret with you that they may hurt themselves or others, guys, that needs to be told to somebody that can do something about it. As a teacher, I hear that all the time. Um, side conversations of, of, of dad getting a little too rough. Um, I, I need to report that, and that's not gossiping. I've got to tell that. Also, biblical counsel. If you're in a situation, if, if, uh, if Caleb and I are having a, a really bad conversation, um, if I know he's into something or he knows I'm into something and we talk about it and it's just not getting anywhere, sometimes I need to seek biblical counsel. And that's okay, too. The thing that makes all of these okay is that they don't come from a bad heart. They don't come from a bad heart. They come from a place of restoration, not degradation. They seek to restore and bring life to relationships, not cut them down so that you can feel a little better about yourself. Um, so there are some exceptions. Um, and we have, to, we have to pray for that biblical discernment, though, because we can make excuses all the time. We can be gossiping and then, and then make some excuse for the reason we're doing that. We're so good at swindling ourselves into thinking, oh, no, that wasn't gossip. I wasn't actually offending. I was just... I just really want us to pray for them. Um, you got to be careful and you got to pray for that biblical discernment so you know. Okay, with that as our foundation, um, we've talked gossip is a heart issue, first and foremost. Now I want to talk about a, a few types of gossips. Now, when we go into this section, it's going to be real tempting to elbow the person you're next to and say, Yeah, this is you. Or, Yeah, that's your mom. That's your dad. Or, you know that person at work, guys? Try to self-reflect here and not point the finger. Um, and definitely don't whisper some gossip into your partner's ear when we're talking about resisting. Um, if you do, make sure I don't hear it. Um, okay, the first person. Uh, and these did come from uh, Matthew Mitchell's book. And uh, they're, they're caricatures. And they're not all-encompassing. And they're also not like a one-size fits one person kind of thing. If we're all honest, we have all been each of these different types of gossips throughout our lives. You may have a propensity to lean one way or another, um, but we really have all of these heart issues from time to time. Um, and this isn't an exhaustive list either. Um, we're very creative at coming up with new motivations to gossip. Very creative at that. Um, so it's definitely not exhaustive. Okay, the first one I want to talk about. The spy. Their motivation for gossiping is power and status. They want to trade secrets so that they can be more powerful than the people around them. Um, and it's kind of like politicking. 
but not necessarily at the White House or in Congress, but it's politicking in our own families, in our own cliques, in our own social circles. We want to know something about someone else so we can use it at a very opportune time to advance our own social status among people. Because if we know something, then we think that we're better than the people that don't know. Um, and they start a lot of their sentences with, oh, you haven't heard? Oh, they use that one a lot. You, ha you haven't heard what happened to, to Billy Bob? Um, well, let me tell you. And then they know, they know the dirt on Billy Bob, and they're dropping it, and they usually got a little wicked grin as they do it. Um, and I've definitely done that from time to time. Um, and uh, uh, in the next section, we're going to deconstruct each of these motivations and how the gospel responds to it. Um, and so we're going to talk about how the gospel fixes this, this lust for power and status. Okay, uh, the next one, the grumbler. This is the one I encounter the most. Um, this is one that I think all of these are both, both sides, male, female, can be both of these. I think this one is strongly leaning towards the fellows, though. The grumbler. Their main motivation is jealousy um, because... They think that their boss or maybe a fellow coworker has got something that they think they deserve. And instead of maybe inquiring why they received it, why did they get the promotion? Why did they get the pay raise? Why did they get um, the, the new calculators? I mean, why them and not me? Instead of doing that, instead they just go, meow, 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 meow. and they just grumble and they complain. And it's not just like a low-level grumble. It's directed at the people that got what they think they should get. Um, and, uh, and they usually, um, sometimes they don't smile a whole lot um, because they always feel like they're getting gypped. They always feel like they're, getting, um, they're not getting what, what they should. Um, and so they, this leads to a constant low level of, of anger, perhaps. Um, and I see this in the workplace most of the time. Um, and uh, I hear this phrase all the time, um, thank God it's Friday, um, or uh, uh, two more days till the weekend. And it's that constant grumble of, I don't want to be here. Um, and, and, it's, and it's directed almost, I mean, a, a lot of time it's directed upwards, the people in authority, um, above you, that they don't know what they're doing. We direct this towards our politicians. Oh, they don't know what they're doing. Um, we do this all the time. We think we know what's best. We think we know what we deserve. And they're obviously, uh, they're just not getting it. And so we, we gossip about them and we complain about them. Uh, the next caricature I have here is the backstabber. Now this one, y'all probably figured out what they want. They want revenge. They want to get them because somebody got them, or at least they thought that somebody got them. Somebody has sinned against me, and I want to pay them back. And this is not a low level of anger. This is a, a, a burning, almost righteous anger. They have sinned against me, so they should pay. Um, and they use slander a lot of times, which is gossip that is knowingly false. That's a, that's a good definition of slander. Um, so they, they, they just want to, they want that person to pay. Um, someone has wronged them. And so they want to tear down that other person. They want to see them suffer. And they give justifications for their gossip. They had it coming. They deserve this. Um, they feel justified in what they do. And that can be a pretty scary situation to be in. If you feel justified, you can do a lot of evil. 
Um, you can do a lot of hurt to a relationship and to a person. Okay, the next two is a double whammy. The chameleon and the coward. Two different types of gossips, but they both have the same motivation. Fear of man, fear of rejection. Uh, the chameleon, as the name suggests, just wants to fit in. They just want to be a part of the conversation. And so if they have a juicy piece of information, they'll drop it in. They'll, they'll gossip so that they can be included in the circle of talking. Um, gossip is so prevalent that they, have, they feel like they have to gossip in order to even talk to people at their workplace, which is sad. Um, uh, the coward, on the other, other hand, they want to, to help someone. But instead of going to someone that they know is struggling or that is, that is openly sinning or that has sinned against them even maybe, instead of going straight to the person, they're a little too scared of a potentially awkward situation, a potentially relationally damaging conversation. And so what they do is they just let the grapevine carry the information to them. They just whisper it into their buddy's ear and they say, okay, they'll go talk to him. Uh, and they're, they're afraid. They're afraid of that rejection. Uh, they have a fear of man's opinion on them. Um, and, and both of these people are so unsure about their identity that they try to, to leech some sort of identity from uh, their peers. They want, <coughs> they want to obtain some sort of security with the relationships with their peers. Um, and they're just, uh, they don't have that secure identity. And we'll talk about what that will be placed in here in a second. Okay. Uh, the next one is the busybody. This person gossips because they have nothing else better to do. They gossip because they're bored. Boredom is their main motivation. And a lot of times this isn't seen as like, like uh, hurtful gossip because these are gossiping about the celebrities, gossiping about the reality TV shows, gossiping about those, those um, reality blogs and magazines where you're just uh, the, the he said, she said, pop culture stuff. Um, and it may not be like, hurting it's probably definitely not hurting them because they don't know who you are <laughs> but it's not building anybody up um, and and he had a beautiful line when talking about these people uh, he said something that he says to himself Matthew Mitchell the author he said the the stupid people of the world do not exist for my entertainment um, and that's kind of what those reality TV shows are they 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 get people to act stupidly so that we can say, oh man, I said, what the heck are they doing? I mean, that's what reality TV is. Um, and it's definitely not building anybody up. Okay, the last type of gossip I want to talk about is the judge. This person's motivation is, is playing God. And this type of gossip permeates all the other types. Um, you, are, you are acting as the judge anytime you gossip, whatever your motivation. Because... You want to, uh, when, when you're the judge, when we gossip, we're judging other people and considering them not worthy, and so we talk badly about them. That's what we do when we gossip. Um, we judge these people. Now, not all judging is bad. We're asked to make judgments of each other uh, uh, often, especially if you're an authority figure. You need to make judgments on who to hire, on uh, if you're a coach, on what what kids to play. I mean, there's, there's times where we're put into position to serve as a judge, but we're never asked to play God. We're never asked to discern the value of another um, because that's set, and it's not set by me. Um, it's set by, by God himself. Um, but a lot of judging is bad, and we need to be careful when we judge. Um, 
Here are some examples of bad judging. When you jump to conclusions, when you hear half a story or one side of a story, and then you assume, oh, I know. I know why they did that. Yeah, I know why they did that. I can't believe. And then you spread what you are certain that they did, and it ended up being false, and you were wrong. Um, so don't jump to those conclusions. Uh, another way, judging critically. Uh, when, you, when you judge somebody very harshly, um, and you're, you're too strict with your judgment, that can hurt other people. Um, and judging absolutely. When you make a judgment and say, this is never going to change. Um, guys, if you look at your life, five years ago, hopefully we we're different people than we are today. That's true of the people that you're trying to judge as well. Um, so we can't judge absolutely. Um, we should suspend our judgments of other people as long as we're able um, and sometimes, unless an, a, an event or a story directly affects us, we can be fine not knowing. That's absolutely fine. A lot of times, though, we, we're not fine not knowing. We're not fine just going, okay, I don't, I don't need to know that. We want to know the juicy details. We want to pass that judgment. Um, all of these evil judgments put us in the position of God. Um, it, we kick him out of the throne, and we sit down, and we say, okay, I am going to judge this person because I know all the facts and I know what's best for them. Um, oh, that's scary. We don't. We don't have one set of eyes that I see my life through. Um, and it's not perfect by any means. Okay, we've gone through these caricatures. We've gone through these different types of, of gossips and their motivations. Uh, now I want to get into what does the gospel have to say to each of these motivations. How does the Bible answer this? And I'm going to be pulling from various parts of Scripture, and they will be up behind me. Okay, so the spy, remember, they want power and status. They trade secrets like a government does to put themselves above other people. That's their main motivator. Well, in Ephesians, it says this. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, according to his pleasure and will. He adopted us into sonship. We have been adopted by the God of the universe through the actions of Jesus Christ on the cross. Guys, there's no greater status than that. There's no greater status. Why are you playing these piddly diddly games among your peer groups to gain a tiny bit of edge over them when you've been given the greatest status in all of the world? Um, and it... I love how this finishes. According to his pleasure and will. He wanted to do it and he made it happen. Man, he wanted to do that. He wanted to grant us that status. He wanted us to be sons and daughters of him once again. Um, with this status, we shouldn't just lord this over people. That's not what I'm saying today. It's good to remember that status. But what you do with that, you don't use it to your own advantage. You use it to serve people better. You use it to actually love them instead of gossiping about them. Um, this is our solid ground for which we serve other people. Um, we don't have to play the game of, of trying to, to socially gain over our friends and family. We've been gr granted the greatest status we ever could. Okay, the grumbler. Their main motivator was jealousy. And Paul says in Philippians, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Oh, wow. 
The secret to being content. And, and he went through a lot. He went through any, much more than I ever did. Um, and the, the amount of times he escaped death is staggering. And he said he was still able to say this. The secret of being content in any and every situation. Now, how the heck can someone say that? I'd sure like to know. Could you write down that secret? I'll put it on my fridge. I mean, that is, that is incredible. This is only possible when your identity is set in Christ. When you remember the status that you've been given. That is the only way that's possible. Because um, the real main reason that we're not content is we forget what our needs are. Our need is to be in relationship with God. That is what we need. That was what we were created and intended for. To know God and enjoy him forever. Um, we like to think that all these other things are needs. And, and God is, is sitting up there silently saying, that's not, that's not a need. That's not a need. And we see it as a need. And so we think, well, God's not giving me my needs. And so I'm jealous of those people that have those needs. Like, come on, God, where are you at? Oh, man, we forget what our needs are. We need to know him and enjoy him forever. Um, that's the secret to being content, is when you remember the status that you've been given. We've been given that status. We've been given the ability to know him. Um, and now we can enjoy him forever. The backstabber, vengeance. Paul again says in Romans, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, now, if you're in a very vengeful mood, you may love the sound of this. Yes, heap burning coals on their head. Burn them to a crisp. Oh, this is wonderful. Yes, tell me how to do this. Now, guys, um, that's not quite what they're saying here. I think what Paul is getting at is that if you love your enemies, you will burn away the parts of that person that make them an enemy. The enemy is burning away, and you're left with a friend. Now, it's really hard to love people that you want to gossip about. It's really hard to love people that have hurt you. You want that vengeance. But it's kind of crazy even if you don't feel loving towards someone, if you love them, it's like the feeling of love comes and supports you in the back end. If you don't feel like loving somebody, still act like you do. Um, maybe, it, maybe it's lying to yourself, but hey, that's okay. Um, lie to yourself and say, I really do love this person. And in so doing, you will burn away the part that make them your enemy. Um, it may not be as immediately satisfying, but uh, I'd much rather a friend than a burnt enemy. Um, and guys, you also have to trust that God's justice will reign. You have to trust that he will, um, in the end, make every knee bow and every tongue confess. Um, that is the true fact um, of the nature of this world. That will happen and we have to trust that. Okay, moving on to the chameleon and the coward. They have fear of man. Well, in Proverbs it says, The fear of man lays a snare, lays a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. All right, that sounds good, uh, Proverbs man. That sounds good. Uh, but how can I know that I trust in the Lord? Um, uh, well, guys, you have to remember, 
um, my favorite verse in the Bible. But God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, if you ever doubt his trustworthiness, remember that word, while. That doesn't mean that Jesus came down and willingly died for people that were really, really, really sorry that they sinned. Man, they were just, God, I'm sorry. Can you, can you fix this? I'm sorry. No, it's, it's wild. It's wild you did the worst thing that you've ever done in your entire life. He still said, I, I, I know. I, I, I got to go down there, though. I got to go get them. That word wild is so powerful. And it, it proves his trustworthiness for us. He didn't say, after they cleaned themselves up, I died for sinners. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and guys, the chameleon and the coward, that they have fear of man. And I get that. Rejection sucks. We're made for community. That's why we don't, uh, in, in, on Sunday, we don't just give everybody a pamphlet and say, go to a closet and read this. Um, and then text us how you feel about it. No, we come together that we're made for community. Rejection sucks. And, and God knows this. But he also knows uh, the way for that community is not to tear down people outside of your immediate circle. That's not the way to community. The way to community is trust in the Lord. And he is trustworthy because while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. All right, the busybody, boredom. Paul, once again, in 2 Thessalonians. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary of doing good. So in short, Paul is telling us here, um, guys, stay busy. But don't stay busy trying to put notches on your belt. Or, or trophies on your shelf. Don't stay busy trying to bolster your own achievements. It says, in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly. Um, we've been given that status that I keep talking about. We've been granted that status. we got to tell people about it. Because it can be theirs too. It can be theirs too. Stay busy in the Lord, not for your own gain, but because you can't help spreading the good news. It will be tiring. It will be tiring. That's why rest is so important. But it won't be boring. You won't stay idle. Um, and so that's what Paul's encouraging us here. All right, the judge. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice a log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the law, log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Um, this is a silly, <laughs> there can't be a log in our eye, that's not possible. Um, but it's, um, I love the, the picture it paints. It's saying before you criticize someone, hey dude, there's something, something in your eye. Before you criticize someone, you have to admit that you have problems too. That's the only platform that we can then lovingly criticize people around us. Um, it would be absurd and comical even if I tried to 
get something out of someone's eye when one of my eyes was completely covered by a log. It would be ridiculous. And so you have to admit, I, I, got, I got stuff wrong with me too. I've struggled, most likely, with the same thing that this person has struggled with. And so I need to confess that to them, to God. I need to confess that and, and admit that. Um, that is the only way, that is the only heart position that we can criticize our friends wisely. Um, okay, we've talked about a good definition. We've talked about um, different types of gossips and their motivations and what the Bible has to say. So now, last point, I want to talk about what are some alternatives to gossip? What are ways to combat gossip? And the first one is if you yourself, and there's some of us, I'm, I'm one of them, there's some of us sitting here that love to gossip. We love the juicy trading of information and facts. Um, we love to gossip. And so this first uh, section, alternatives to gossip, is for us. Uh, the first alternative, say nothing. Yeah, that's a good one. Just don't say anything. Proverbs tells us whoever keeps his mouth shut and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I need to post that on the door to my classroom. Um, yeah, I need to post that right there. I'll just erase the Proverbs thing so they can't get mad at me. Um, yeah, guys, if we just keep quiet, a lot of times that will keep us out of trouble. Now, now sometimes that's really hard. You just want to spill the beans, especially if it's juicy and you know, it'll make people laugh. That, that's a big one for me. If it makes someone laugh, then yeah, I'll tear someone down because I want people to think I'm funny. Um, yeah, oh, that's, that's, that's ugly. But remember, the person you want to gossip about is a fellow image bearer of the Most High God. A, a fellow image bearer, just like you are, they are too. So you're tearing down an image bearer of the Most High God. That means you're tearing down God. Um, oh, man, that puts it into perspective. That gives us a little bit easier of a motivation to just be quiet. You've heard it before. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, we probably could have finished that together. Okay, the next thing we can do is, is take it a step further. Edify the other person. Um, edify is a fun word. We don't use that much anymore. But it means to build up. Um, and we have, our words have the power to do that. In fact, there's actually no neutral words. They either chop someone down or build them up. Um, it's one or the other. 1 Thessalonians says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. So instead of tearing someone down, find ways to build them up. You might have to get creative. Especially if the person that everyone's gossiping about is really annoying and frustrating and bad at their job and, and sinful and all these other things. But guys, when we gossip about somebody, we boil them down to their worst attributes. And we just pile on to that thing. They are so lazy, I cannot believe they didn't come to work again. Uh, but guys, we're much more complex than that. We're much more rich than that, every single person. And to be honest, we've all had days where we've exhibited something that could be gossiped about pretty easily. Um, so keep that in mind. Build others up. There is almost always something kind to say. And if you truly can't think of anything kind to say, then don't say anything. See point number one. <laughs> the third thing, and I wrestled with this one, um, Cover their wrong. Um, this came from 
Matthew Mitchell's book, Cover Their Wrong. I was like, oh, that doesn't sound good. But there's an interesting story in Genesis where this happened. Um, uh, Noah, they had been, this is post-flood. Noah was uh, super happy that they all didn't die. And so um, he was praising the Lord and everything. He, then he built a vineyard. Then he got hammered. And then he got naked. Those go hand in hand. And then he just lay, was laying in his tent. Just laying in his tent. And one of his sons is bebopping into the tent, I don't know, to ask him a question or something. And then sees him naked. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And you know what he did? He gossiped about it. And he went and ran and told his other two sons what had happened. Um, and they did something rather creative. Um, they took a bed sheet and they put it over their shoulders and walked into the tent backwards and covered up their naked father. Hmm. Now, back then it was pretty uh, scandalous to see your dad naked. That hasn't changed much to this day. Um, and, and so uh, it, was, it was, they did him, they did Noah a great honor and covering his wrong, and covering his, his shame. They honored him. Um, now, covering does not mean sweeping sin under the rug. Covering does not mean you, you, you know what happened and you said, oh, they didn't do anything wrong. Covering's not lying to cover it up. Covering is just showing mercy to the person by not continuing the story. Um, uh, he, get, he gave a wonderful example in the book. Him, uh, author Matthew Mitchell, and his wife were eating with some other friends of theirs, two missionary friends of theirs. And they all knew a third party that wasn't present. And the third party that wasn't present had done something pretty shameful. And Matthew knew all about it. And he was, oh, he was salivating at sharing that juicy bit of gossip. Um, but what he did is he gave the barest details that he possibly could have. Because he didn't want to pile on shame onto this third party that wasn't present. Um, he didn't lie. He didn't cover up what they did. He was honest and straightforward, but he didn't pile on. He showed them mercy in doing that. Um, and that's a great thing that we can do, especially when we know the gossip's true. Cover their shame. Um, remember Noah in the tent. Um, okay. So the next section, what happens when you're surrounded by gossip? We don't want to gossip. We're not going to gossip, but everyone else is. What happens there? The first thing we should do is pray. As soon as you hear gossip coming out of someone's mouth, you shoot up a prayer. Dear God, give me wisdom. Help me to know what to do in this situation. Help me to know how to handle this gossip. Um, that should be our very first thing. James uh, one through one and five, James one five says we should ask for wisdom, and He will grant it. Do this when we're surrounded by gossip. Then the next thing we can do is kind of weigh out the situation. Start to ask yourself questions: Is this like a really shameful thing that that you may need to say? Hey guys, I don't want to. I don't want to hear this. Or is it just like a, a tiny little whoopsie daisy, um, and and it's not worth bringing up. Um, other questions you can ask is how close are you to the people that are gossiping, to the people that's being gossiped about? How close are you to these people? Maybe you'll need to intervene with the person gossiping later. Maybe you need to talk to them one-on-one -on -one and, and say, hey, I don't think we should have been talking about that. Or, hey, do you know that's true? Or have you talked to the other person about this? Um, all of these questions will help us be able to uh, assess 
what we should do in these sticky situations. The next thing we can do is lead by example. Um, definitely don't participate in the gossip. Don't be the chameleon and just want to fit in. Um, don't participate. Um, a lot of times people, like, it's like a, they're fishing. They just want the juicy detail. They just cast that line and they ask you a question about something that's pretty interesting and they're seeing what they can catch. And one thing to kind of cut the line is just to say, I don't have much to say about that. Now, they may look at you like, come on. But you will start to, to stand out. You'll be known as the person that, guys, I'm not going to, this idle chit-chat that just tears people down, I'm not going to be a part of it. Now, you don't have to go, this is gossip, and walk away like this. <laughs> you don't have to do that. You don't have to um, be uh, mean about it and, and hurtful. But you do need to be direct, and you do need to be stalwart, that you will not participate in this gossip. You can take it a step further and, to, and start to make fun of yourself. That's a great way to combat gossip. People are, are crapping on this one guy uh, for being late. And you can be like, yeah, I was late last week, man. Because what that does, the unspoken thing you're doing, is you're reminding everyone that we're all on the same level. So you won't have it when people start to try to tear other people lower than you. Be like, no, guys, I'm, you're mad at him for being late? I was late, too. Um, just make a small self-deprecating um, joke, and people will go, oh. Because they're not going to talk. They're not going to talk crap about you right in front of you. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't know your colleagues, um, but they're probably not. And so that kind of just takes the air out of the room, um, because it's juicy to talk about people that aren't there. But it's just mean to do it when someone is there. It's mean to do it when they're not there too. But um, now I don't mean be a floor mat. I don't mean let people walk all over you. Um, but I mean just remind everybody without saying it directly. Guys, we're all on the same level here. Um, uh, since gossip is so directed towards authority a lot of the times, um, we need to show them respect to authority in, in our colleagues. Whenever someone is giving the boss a hard time, um, you can stand apart by showing them respect, by showing them um, that you enjoy working for them, that you uh, like where you're at. Now, guys, that's really hard when you don't enjoy working for this boss and when you really want to pile on that, that garbage, when you really think that they're doing um, bad things. So what you can do there by showing respect is instead of, oh, this happens all the time in education, instead of everybody sitting there in their little pods just talking about, can you believe the principal's making us come in for parent-teacher conferences till six? Are you serious? They never do. They're going home. Instead of doing that, you can say, hey, guys, have y'all talked to the principal? Have you, have you talked to them and said that it's annoying and unfair? Um, I mean, guys, nothing has ever gotten accomplished by sitting in our little groups and just whining to each other. Um, so you show, the, you show these authority figures respect by suggesting that you bring it straight to them um, instead of talking behind their back. Okay, almost finished. How to deal when people are gossiping about you when you're the target and this hurts this is a betrayal uh, this is this is painful um, even worse if it's somebody you're really close to oh my gosh if it's a family member 
if it's a best friend, uh, if it's a spouse, that, oh man, this hurts. Um, the goal is to immediately become, or not the goal, the temptation. Whew. The temptation is to immediately become the backstab. Make them pay. Oh, you got dirt on me? You don't even know the dirt I got on you. Uh, resist. Resist that. Matthew 18 sets up a good framework for this. Um, this is how to deal, uh, it's a more general uh, framework, how to deal when people sin against you. Gossiping is definitely sinning um, against the person. So what do you do with that? The first thing is talk to the person that sinned against you personally, directly, and alone. Um, do not, uh, don't become the coward that spreads it through the grapevine. Talk to them directly. Um, uh, the Bible puts this beautifully in this passage. It says, if you go and talk to a brother that has sinned against you and they listen, then you have won over that brother. That is the best case scenario. Um, and I think, I really do believe that'll happen more often than not. We're just so scared about that conversation. Guys, remember your new identity. Um, remember that. If that doesn't work, if they don't listen, if it, if it gets real ugly, if they deny or, or, or whatever, then bring a couple people with you and go talk to them. They can, be, they can listen to the stories. They can listen to both sides. They're kind of an unbiased third party. They can act as a witness to what's been said. Um, and it also tells that person, like, hey, I don't want this to just die down. I don't want this just to forget about it and us just be mad at each other for two decades. I want to deal with this. Um, so bring those couple people. Now guys, those couple people need to be non-gossips themselves. You don't want them spreading it. Um, you have to, this needs to be confidential. It needs to be um, a couple of trusted people. If they still don't listen, then you find a church leader and you say, hey, here's the situation. This was one of those exceptions. When you're, you're seeking biblical counsel, you want to know how can I stop this? I have this situation. I don't know what to do. Again, your goal throughout this entire Matthew 18 process needs to be restoration. You're not trying to get vengeance and just using the church to do it. No, you want to restore the relationship with this person. Um, that's the whole goal. Um, and then uh, Matthew ends, it's, Matthew 18 ends, and, and sometimes it uh, this process, it talks about if they still don't listen, uh, you continue to pray for them. Um, but you kind of wash your hands of the situation. Um, that's really hard, too, sometimes. Um, it's really hard. Again, you're, you've just been betrayed. Um, but what you... Um, and what that also requires you to do is to admit, yeah, my reputation might suffer. They're, they're spreading lies about me. They're spreading gossip. And that's okay, because God's got me. Um, so that's how we deal when people sin against us, when people gossip about us. Okay, this, um, these alternatives, these ways to combat gossip are only possible if you know where your identity is. The only way we can choose not to tear people down in order to look a little higher. The only way we cannot do that is if I know the status I've been given. I am a son of the Most High God. 
And that, that, reputa or that, that, yeah, that reputation, that status has been granted to me, not because of the things I've been able to do, not because of my record, but because Jesus sacrificed on the cross. That's why I have this status. I can be secure in that identity. This means you don't have to strive after the affirmation of others. You don't have to uh, act like the chameleon and try to fit in. You don't have to get vengeance yourself. You don't have to get a little bit more power and status above your colleagues. Instead, you can freely love them as they are and point them to Christ. If you don't hear anything, just remember the golden rule when it comes to gossip. Treat others, talk about others as you would like to be treated and talked about. Um, I think that is a wonderful thing to remember as we're trying to figure out how do, how do I communicate with my colleagues and my friends and my family. All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this time together. Uh, thank you for words. Thank you for communication. It's such a beautiful way to be in community with each other. But God, help us to know that there are no neutral words. We either tear down or build up. Help us to edify our friends and family. Encourage them and build them up, as your word says. We love you and we praise you.